We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Today is Thursday, May 6th, 2021. On this day in 2013, Amanda Berry escaped from the home of Ariel Castro, who had held her captive for 10 years of torture and abuse. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of Ariel Castro's crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of sexual abuse that some people may find offensive. We advise extreme caution for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the day Amanda Berry managed a daring escape from her captor, Ariel Castro. Let's go back to Cleveland, Ohio on May 6, 2013. Six-year-old Jocelyn shouted to her mother, Amanda Berry, that the bedroom door was unlocked. 27-year-old Amanda couldn't believe it. In the 10 years that she resided at 2207 Seymour Ave, her bedroom door was never unlocked. Whenever the 47-year-old homeowner, Ariel Castro, left for any business, he always locked the door. Jocelyn, standing in only a diaper and filthy shirt, didn't understand her mother's excitement and terror. Amanda was scared to leave. She didn't just live here, she was a prisoner. Amanda told Jocelyn to go search for Castro. Sometimes he hid in the house, seeing if she'd try to escape. If she did, he beat her. Castro even took Amanda's electricity away as punishment for refusing to speak to him. Jocelyn returned, reporting that Castro was gone. This was the second time in a decade that Amanda had a chance to be free again. Seven years before, while Amanda was chained in the garage, Castro left his van on. The gas pedal was within her reach. All she had to do was press it, and the van would collide into the garage door. Someone would have to notice the racket and rescue her. But she was paralyzed by fear, and the moment passed. She regretted that day ever since. She could have saved herself from years of physical, psychological, and sexual abuse. Her daughter Jocelyn was a product of that sexual abuse and now was her main reason for living. Jocelyn went to knock on the other bedroom door, but Amanda stopped her. The other women Castro had kidnapped were inside that room. Amanda wanted to help them, but she needed to do this alone. If this was a test, she would take the punishment on her own. The downstairs was empty. Amanda turned the knob to the front door, and for the first time since 2003, the large door swung open. Freedom was within her grasp. But a padlock hung on the storm door. Amanda would not let this defeat her. She was going to get out or die trying. 
She pushed on the door until her arms squeezed outside. Then she screamed for help. She still had no idea when Castro would return. Angel Cordero, a man from the neighborhood, was the first to hear Amanda calling for help. Cordero crossed the street to the struggling woman. He mistook Amanda's screaming for a fire and that she was trapped. Amanda said she was a prisoner and needed help, but Cordero only spoke Spanish. Castro's next-door neighbor, Charles Ramsey, arrived shortly after. Charles thought someone had been hit by a car. He reportedly found Cordero at Castro's front door, frantically trying to break Amanda out. Amanda told Charles who she was and that people were looking for her. Charles didn't connect who she was at the moment, but tried to help Cordero break open the door. Amanda was in a full panic. If they didn't get her out before Castro came back, she feared he would kill all of them. The padlock held strong, so Charles told Amanda to kick out the bottom panel from the inside. Amanda slammed it with her sneakers until the panel popped out. Grabbing Jocelyn, she crawled outside. Cordero helped Amanda into a neighbor's house where she called 911. She told the operator she was Amanda Barry and she'd been Ariel Castro's prisoner for 10 years. It wasn't long before the first police car arrived. Amanda ran out to tell them who she was. The officers asked if anybody else was in the house. Amanda said the other women were still locked inside. In another bedroom on the second floor, 32-year-old Michelle Knight shuddered at the sound of heavy boots coming up the stairs. Amanda's screams made her nauseated. She figured that Castro was killing her for trying to escape. The men in the hall announced themselves as police. Michelle ran out and threw herself into their arms, weeping. After 11 years, she was finally free. Shortly after, 22-year-old Gina de Jesus emerged, pale and mute, at the entrance of the bedroom she shared with Michelle for nine years. The two joined Amanda and Jocelyn outside the house, surrounded by incoming police and medical responders. Their nightmare had ended. Up next, how Ariel Castro tortured the three women for 11 years before facing justice. Wayne Simmons spent 27 years undercover for the CIA. When he retired from spy work, he got a big break. Terrorism analyst on Fox News. Then he met Kent Clisby. So I'm a real CIA guy. This is total nonsense. I'm Alex French, and I'm here to figure out who's telling the truth. Was Wayne Simmons a spy, or was he nothing but a con man? Imposters is a Spotify original from Parcast and premieres Monday, May 3rd. Follow and listen exclusively on Spotify. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now back to the story. 
On May 6, 2013, Amanda Berry broke out of her captor's house after 10 years of torture and abuse. Her abuser, Ariel Castro, manipulated her into believing he was always watching and ready to kill her for trying to escape. Amanda still slipped out of her prison and alerted passersby, saving herself, her two fellow captives, and her six-year-old daughter, Jocelyn. Ariel Castro was a violent offender before he kidnapped the three women. His son Anthony remembered him as an abusive, controlling man. Castro beat Anthony regularly and nearly killed his mother. She moved out in 1996, taking Anthony and his sisters with her. While Castro had the three women imprisoned, Anthony and his siblings visited his father in the house he grew up in. Castro kept the basement, attic, and garage padlocked. Castro's daughter, Angie Gregg, noticed how her father took a long time to answer his front door. When having dinner with Castro in the kitchen, he'd vanish for long stretches of time, blasting music. Angie once asked to see her childhood bedroom, but her father evaded the request, muttering that the room was filled with junk. But really, that bedroom was a prison. Michelle Knight was 21 when Castro lured her into his car on August 23, 2002. He then baited Michelle into his house by pretending to offer her a puppy for her young son. Castro then picked up 16-year-old Amanda Berry on April 21, 2003, while she was on her way home from her evening shift at Burger King. The last girl was 14-year-old Gina De Jesus. Gina was good friends with Castro's daughter, Arlene, and Castro used that to offer her a ride on April 2nd, 2004. Once the girls were imprisoned, Castro chained them in his basement, leaving them in the dark with a motorcycle helmet over their heads. He starved them for days as he raped them. Castro wielded his psychotic control over the women for a decade. He tortured them endlessly, physically and mentally. Michelle became pregnant five times from her abuse, and each time, Castro forced her to miscarry through violence and forced dehydration. But when Amanda became pregnant, she carried it to term. She gave birth on Christmas Day 2006 in a plastic pool. Castro forced Michelle to perform as midwife, threatening to kill her if the baby didn't survive. The infant stopped breathing after its birth, but Michelle performed emergency CPR. Despite knowing nothing about delivering children, Michelle saved the child. Amanda named her child Jocelyn after a friend. Jocelyn was a miracle for Amanda. She endured the hell of captivity for her daughter's sake. Likewise, Michelle and Gina said that they survived because they had each other. Michelle was a mother before her capture and acted as a guardian figure. She put herself between Castro and Gina, the youngest captive, absorbing some of the physical and sexual abuse. The women held on to each other and the hope that their sadistic captor would release them as soon as he eventually got whatever he wanted out of them. And they held on to that hope long enough for Amanda to escape. 
Police arrested Castro an hour after Amanda's escape. They found a confession in his home, written two days after Gina's capture. Castro claimed to have been raped as a child and acknowledged he was a predator. But at his trial, Castro denied the violence of his actions and blamed his victims for trusting him during their capture. He claimed that most of the sex he forced on them was consensual. And yet, Michelle Knight said that she could find it in her heart to forgive her abuser, but could never forget what he did. She said she spent 11 years in hell, but his was only beginning. Castro pleaded guilty to 937 criminal counts, including kidnapping, rape, and the aggravated murder of Michelle's pregnancies. The judge sentenced him to life in prison, plus 1,000 years. However, Castro's incarceration didn't last long. A month later, on September 3, 2013, he hanged himself in his cell. Despite struggling with privacy, the survivors learned to adapt to their new lives. Michelle became an author and is working towards a culinary career. Gina was finally a free adult who loved her new restaurant job and her own living space. She's also co-written a book with Amanda. Amanda has new friends and new challenges with raising Jocelyn. She plans to travel to the places she never thought she would visit before, like New York. And her daughter goes everywhere with her. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Alex Benedon, and fact-checking by Cheyenne Lopez. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 